0: Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Dive Into Reality. My name Gatha, And my name is Nicole. And today we're going to be talking with the founder of One Piece at a Time Toys.
1: For those of you who don't know, Cynthia actually owns a toy store located in the falls here in Miami. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company?
2: Um, well, I'm a licensed mental health counselor and I'm um, an ABA analyst board certified um i started my toy store because i'm constantly you know obviously doing therapy with children um and i started doing therapy with um children with autism and one of my kids uh was nonverbal and i couldn't get him to engage with any type of toy or activity that i was doing so i started uh somewhat of an adventure trying to find different toys to get children um, to engage with all different types of toys so that uh, they would be able to learn through play. So that's how the store came about.
1: Interesting. So do you manufacture the toys or do you curate a collection and then proceed to sell, you know, the collection of toys that you gathered?
2: I carry a collection. So I try as much as I can. Is I have a lot of fidget toys. Um, the fidget toys are work really well. I mean, it works really well with any type of child or adult. Uh, So I try to find things that are sensory. And then I also have a lot of other toys that are educational. Having them
0: engage while they play, they're learning. So what would you say are your most popular toys? Obviously, the Christmas season is approaching. Are there any like favorites in the store? Well, there's anything that has to do with fidget right now (laughs) works. The poppets,
2: the um, there's, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but the tangles, there's anything with the hands. Um, there's specs, which are like magnets, and magnetiles, which are very popular with the children. Um, a lot of parents come in looking exactly for that. Like they want the educational part, but still fun for the child. So honestly, anything that's um, in here is what I try to target for, educational learning.
0: Uh, right now, everything that just flies off my shelves is um, fidget toys. As far as the sensory toys go, what do they most help the child accomplish? A lot of the fidget toys is to keep um, the child or adult, because they can be
2: used for anything, um, more centered. So if you have ADHD or you have anxiety or you just need something to fidget, like you just wanna play with so that you can stay concentrated, that's what they're used for. I do know that now they're allowing children um, to have these type of fidgets inside the classroom when they're done with their activity or whatever classwork, they're allowed to use them. So it's becoming something very popular and very common. So it keeps the child or adolescent or whoever's using it um, entertained while
0: they need to focus. As far as starting the store, do you think that you had, like, an original vision? And if so, can you map it out for us?
2: My – oh, that's a good one. Um, it was to be able to have that. I, I'm going to give you a perfect example. I had a child come in the other day. I – obviously, my goal is for everybody. But I think the most difficult is when you've got a child that can't express themselves and you can't keep them um, – to engage in something. So this child comes in and obviously has autism and the mom was like, I just can't get them to play with anything. So my whole thing is to be able to find that one thing, whether it's a toy, whether it's a piece of paper, whatever it is, to help them find something that will help them stay calm or focused or learning. So my whole point was to have something that uh, any um, person could come to And they could find a little bit of everything because I have everything here. I have stuff for mental health. I have stuff for um, speech and occupational therapy. I have things that, you know, if you can't get a child to talk, uh, let's talk about your feelings, because since my background is in mental health, it's I have a little bit of everything. So and then the parent that just wants sees a child that needs to to succeed a little bit more in academically. Uh, that's the toys that I have. So it's anything that's going to push somebody forward.
1: I heard you mention that you have something for everyone. So what's the main age group that you cater to?
2: I would say from zero to about six. I started opening up a little bit more because people were coming in and most of the things that I have is younger development. Uh, But the highest that I have right now would probably run into about maybe like nine or 10. I think after 10, they get a little bored with the stuff that I have. Um, But the fidget stuff ranges from all different ages. But mostly it's early development, you know, about one to three, um, five-year-olds where all that's learning the ABCs, the numbers, the shapes. The majority of my stuff targets around that.
0: On the part of age range, recently I was watching a video of hypo versus hypersensitivity, which is obviously prevalent with autistic patients at any age. Uh, But I was wondering, in younger patients who are nonverbal, how are you supposed to cater to their needs, especially because they can't directly communicate with you?
2: That basically is the biggest challenge, because you've got to find what it is that they like. So it's kind of like putting everything in front of them, and seeing what they interact with. Because one child could like, let's say magnets or they like trains or they like cars or they like um, things in their hand. There's, you know, a lot of children and especially now, even not with autism or anything, there's a lot of sensory issues going on. So they they gravitate to what they like. And once you hit what they like is where I tend to go, okay, If they like magnets, this is all the magnet stuff I have. If they like to build, this is all the building stuff that I have. So each child, you've got to see what they like. There's some children that if they touch something and it's slimy, they'll scream and yell and run out of here. So it's just learning what the child likes. You've got to get the child to interact and what they like and then understand
0: what is going to help them. Because of how interactive the whole process is, in your point of view, is the physical store better than the e-commerce side? Yes. I have everything set up that the child
2: can play. So I have for all the fidgets out. I've got, if I've got a car, I've got the car out. I let the child play and I tell the parent see what um, they're gravitating towards. Uh, you really see the difference. I had, um, I don't know, she must've been like seven or eight the other day. She comes in. And she tells me, finally, a store where I can feel things. I can't feel things or touch them on the internet. So being able to have a physical store is a whole different world now because most of you know, you guys that are you know in your teens, you've grown up with um, online and mm-hmm. which is what the generation has grown up with. But being able to touch things, to be able to grab them, be able to move, to say, okay, I don't like that one. I like this one. It's a whole different world than online.
1: We see nowadays so many parents um, providing their children with iPads at a young age. Would you see this more as a beneficial thing to their learning or more as a harmful thing, especially for those kids, you know, who have those learning disabilities and and so on?
2: I think that it's, um, you need to balance it out because the iPad gives you a lot of resources that you can use and learn. But also I think that a lot of, I don't want to say to a lot of parents I don't want to generalize here but putting a screen in front of a child you're taking away the natural ability of what they have to do to learn they need to touch they need to grab they need to grow the the strength within their hands to be able to grab to pull and the screens have taken all that away from them so balancing out both I don't think you should put a child in front of a screen all day which I know it happens um, there's a lot of good things that they can learn and they learn quickly. So I think an iPad is beneficial, but I don't think it should be the only resource to educate a child or entertain a child.
1: Yeah, I've I seen like firsthand a lot of parents just giving the oh, children yes. iPads and the, the child yes. just draws you on the iPad. But They don't uh, know what
0: to do. They don't even know exactly. how to grab a cup anymore.
1: Exactly. Um, they just
0: become like codependent on the technology. Yes,
1: Moving on from this, we read on your website that you're a board certified behavior analyst. Can you give us a little bit of insight on what your schooling looked like and everything of that nature?
2: Okay, I did my master's in mental health counseling. So with that master's, I'm able to sit for the exam of the board certification. I had to take a course that took me about a year, um, which are certain courses that you needed to be able to sit down for the board certification. I had to do supervision um, for about, what was it? 2,000 hours. So basically the um, face-to-face contact that I had with the child, I had to do supervision. And then after I completed the course, after I did the supervision, I was able to sit down for the exam.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of school. I don't think that I would be able to complete that.
2: No, you can, please. That's not a lot of school if i can do it you can do it how many years was that um for which one just like in total okay i did four years of college Uh and then i did two years of my master's then i did two years of supervisions from from my mental health license i sat for that exam that was like 20 years ago um then this one that was the board certification the um, schooling was about 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 a year it's a certain amount of credits. Then it is 2,000 uh, 2, hours of supervision, which takes almost a, like a year, year and a half. And then you sit for the exam.
0: Wow. It's not mm-hmm. that bad. Oh, that's like I 10 mean, years. <laughs> yeah, that's like- But listen,
2: ten, 10 years is going to pass in your life anyways.
0: So <laughs> Very true.
2: <laughs> so at least you're getting educated. Listen, and for me, it was hard. Realize that I, I mean, not that it was hard because anybody could do it, but I did my, I graduated. I did my master's when I was 24 years old. I had to start studying for all this at forty six. It's a whole different world. Yeah. Um, it's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Really I don't, you know, I studied with books. We didn't have online and computers and so it's it's going back. I mean, obviously I'm not that um, illiterate with the computer world, but it's <laughs> it's it's going back into everything. But you've got you've gotta mold. Time changes, you've gotta go into different things. And, you know, it's um, you're learning all different things because I was working within the ABA, but I didn't... Mental health prepares you for everything because your, your degree has everything. I had mm-hmm. behavioral therapy, but now it was more like um, just solely into behavioral therapy, which is what the board certification
0: is. What's the biggest hurdle that you've faced thus far? I think maybe... Probably the, pa- okay, but with what? I mean, with anything. It could be when you were a therapist or it could be now with the business, just something that you would deem very difficult.
2: Um, I think the most difficult to me, honestly, with throughout all the years is probably the parents. Mm-hmm. Being able to, um, some parents understand what the child's going through for them to obviously listen to your feedback and do something, um, you know, it's. Diagnoses that are must be very difficult for a parent to accept, but when you want to bring up a child out of pity and because you know you feel bad because they have a diagnosis, the only thing you're doing is harming the child. I think that's my biggest hurdle. Um, COVID actually has helped me because I do telemedicine, which is a whole different world. Um, so I don't know. There's there's hurdles and then you you jump them and then you succeed from them. So. And anything that to me that becomes a hurdle is makes me want to accomplish it more. So I don't know if I really have hurdles. Right now, I can tell you now with the business, the hurdle right now is the COVID and there's no delivery and everything is backed up. That's one of my biggest frustrations right now.
1: Do you plan on expanding your company and, you know, potentially in the future, opening up more locations?
2: I would like to, but that's like in the, future not right now <laughs> but I would like to I, I would like to I just opened three months ago
1: oh okay so it's fairly recent Yes,
2: I started because it was honest it was a hobby like I would buy toys and I would use them in therapy and I would see what they liked and so I had I did a little website and you know I barely sold anything but my goal wasn't to, to be rich my goal was to be able to do what I wanted to start Um, So I had things like in my garage, I had things online, and then this um, opportunity to open a store
0: just was like, fell in my lap, and that's why I opened. That's awesome. Thank you so much for talking with us today. I think we both learned a lot, and we had such a great time speaking with you. Well, whenever you girls um, need anything, you call me. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And for the listeners, remember to tune in next week
1: for another episode of Dive Into Reality.